This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Hello, everyone. What's up? What's up, AfterBuzzers? Welcome to the Letter for the King After Show. Welcome back for episode two. We are talking season one, episode two. Isn't she a sweetheart? And we're all sweethearts here. We are coming to you live from our home. (laughs) Due to the recent events surrounding COVID-19, and we are ready to talk some TV with you all. We're going to be talking Tyrion's horse, strong women like Lavinia and Iona, the quest of the novices, and so much more. We have an exciting special segment called The Greatest Battles in History, as well as some exciting news and gossip for you, so stick around for that. I'm your host and moderator, Brian Santos, and I am your resident medieval TV lover and lover of all things kings and queens, because... I'm a queen myself. <laughs> I also won't be able to do this without <laughs> my amazing panel of knights joining me. First, we have Tori Weaver, who is our resident Game of Thrones fan and lover of the mm. kingdoms. Hey, girl. Hey, everyone. We Stop. also have Ben Schnau. Benjamin Schnau, who is our resident from the UK, who can give us that European perspective. Hey, Ben. Nice. Hey, how's it going? British. Yeah. I mean, and no, last I'm in Jonah. I'm I'm German, but I used to live in London. <laughs> but, you know, right? but it's the same. We're all European, right? Yeah, yeah, Europeans. <laughs> and lastly, I'm sure you all see him. We have an amazing, talented, special guest with us. You know him as Giuseppe on the show. Please welcome Jonah Lees. Hi, uh, thank you for having me, guys. Hello. Thank Good you for joining you. us. We're super excited to talk this episode with you. So let's get some of your overall thoughts. Jonah, let's start with you. What did you think about this episode? love this episode you know i mean the first episode is great you know we, we meet all of the characters and everything you've got the trials which is super cool and the um that scary place with all the skulls that that's that was that was scary even filming it <laughs> <laughs> um but uh you know episode two i feel like is, is a really nice episode for a bunch of reasons I, we meet lavinia don't we episode two mm-hmm. and uh we've got piak Piak, another great character, my little brother. So yeah, it's, we meet a lot of really lovely characters. Um, and yeah, I think I have one of my favorite, yeah, one of my favorite scenes is in uh, episode two, film um, when I catch Piak. That's, uh, Ooh, that's one of my favorite. Yes, two. it was so fun. <laughs> awesome. We're definitely gonna talk about that a little bit later. Tori, what do you think about this episode? I loved this episode. It was a lot more action than the first episode. The first episode was kind of like just setting up the plot, just kind of like setting up this new world that we're in. And this one, we really dived in. I'm so excited to see how this is going to play out. Yes. Ben, how about you? Uh, Yeah, I was really surprised. I didn't see uh, the stepdad dying so early, to be honest. 
that was a little like, wait a minute, okay. Because I feel like he's going to have a bigger storyline himself in, in like the upcoming episodes. So I was really surprised by that. Um, beautiful scene though. I mean, um, like Amy or Wilson, right? His acting, honestly, when his dad is dying, like the scene, beautiful shot. And also like his acting was on point, you know? So mm. me, actor myself, I always value that a lot. If I can see someone crying on screen, which is not easy as we all know, but he did it like really great. I really love that really beautiful scene yeah it was a beautiful moment it's very powerful very powerful very nice yeah i'm always like i'm an emotional person even that i'm german i am emotional guys (laughs) (laughs) how it is you know (laughs) i love that well i agree i love this episode a lot too definitely like you all mentioned a lot of character development i'm meeting a lot of the new characters as well so since we talked about Tiri, let's just jump right into that first little moment so we start the episode off with the red knights trying to find who killed the Black Knight, um, and Cherry tries to get away. Poor boy cannot ride a horse to save his life. I'm so sorry to equestrians everywhere out there. Um, <laughs> but he eventually gets away, and he makes it back home to meet Sir Cherry. And we see this little moment of exchange between them. Cherry's explaining what's happening. He's super upset, super taken back, doesn't know what's going to happen. And we see this great moment between them where Sir Cherry says, okay, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of you. He hides Tyrion in the closet and approaches the who we find out is Sir. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Phantomar, and they have this battle. They go to battle because Sir Cherry is trying to defend Cherry. It leads all the way to the end where Sir Cherry sacrifices himself for his son. And we see this heartfelt moment of, like you said, the tears streaming down his face and Sir Cherry taking his final dying breath. So, Jonah, what did you think about that episode of that little scene of how that all transpired? Yeah, um, like you said, it's it's surprising that he's gone um, so soon and, you, and, you know, so sad, you know, for Tiura. But it's, I feel like it's such a lovely moment for so many reasons, one being that it's the first time we really see him take his side and not just think about his legacy and the fact, you know, that his kids are disappointment and can't fight and all this stuff that he's been dealing with. He, uh, he didn't know much. Like he, Tiri r- rushes in and says he's in trouble. And I, I, I love the way that his uh, stepfather handles it. He just is, you know, he's with him and, and he fights for him, which is so nice and a beautiful moment to have as their last moment, I think. Um, as sad as it was, um, still a really nice way for that character to sacrifice himself. Um, and it means a, a lot more now to Tiuri, obviously. Like, his dad died for this um, as well for Definitely. him. So that's another element, you know, like, he can't mess this up now. Um, I can't remember his exact last words to him, actually. But I don't know, whether was it about the letter or was it, like, I can't remember what he said. It was about like him only wanting his son to live. Like that was his only wish oh, that his right. son was able to live. Mm-hmm. He just said, just live. That's right. See, that's so nice. Yes. <laughs> Tori, what do you think? Um, definitely just piggybacking, piggybacking off of what you said. Um, it was a very heartwarming exchange between the two. And I think it's, I think his father is the only person that took his side without him having to like 
prove himself or go into great detail. He just kind of automatically believed his son. And that was a great exchange to see in contrast to the first episode. We were kind of like, his father's pretty hard on him. You know, he doesn't really share his actual feelings about him. And so it was nice to see in these last moments, him kind of just show how much he really does care for him. And it just took away my all of my predictions because I thought his father was going to live a lot longer. We were going to see so much more into the backstory, but um, we won't. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ben, yeah. what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned that already. When he's dying, basically, when he's gone, I was like, wow, that was very surprising to me. I didn't see that coming. But that also kind of like, um, yeah, it's basically the opposite that I felt at the very beginning when we watched the first episode. I had the feeling at the end when they have this kind of argument after the trial, after this competition, right, where he's basically facing him and saying, hey, you know what? I can really, I have for you to be one of the knights because this is my reputation, the reputation of my family. So it was pretty much for me, at least, really much about his reputation. But now at the end, I really felt, wow, it was more be be between them, between these two guys, right? Be between his son that he adopted and, and, and him as a dad. So I really love to see this kind of, it's a sad ending, but at least I now know that he was basically doing it for his son more than for his reputation, I believe now, you know, that's what I believe. So that was a beautiful moment. And I think now, as, as um, Jonah also mentioned, I think now, I think Thierry now accepted the journey. I think from that moment on, he knew, okay, it's up to him now to get that job done because he has to, he's too far in already. And now his dad is dead. Now he got to do it. And I think he knows that now. Yeah. Definitely. I agree with all of you. And I think one, one of the things that stuck out with me the most was Sir Fantomar when he was basically like, you can clothe the Evielans in these jewels and these clothing, but they'll never be one of us, you know? So it was definitely a moment that we saw that Tiri still didn't feel accepted, but he, he feels that his father sacrificed his life for him. So he does have to continue that journey, which was so beautiful to see. So love that. Um, well, speaking of Sir Fantomar, we definitely see more of him in this episode. We meet him and he sends the novices on this quest to bring Cherry back, um, dead or alive, but preferably dead, he says. Um, <laughs> so, Jonah, your character Giuseppe was in this scene and it seemed like he was a bit uncomfortable when he was tasked with that quest. So what did you think? What do you think he was feeling in that moment? Yeah, I mean, see, I see Giuseppe um, as this guy who kind of sees the whole night kind of label as for, for all the glory in it you know he wants to be a knight because it's cool and uh he 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 wants quests and he wants adventure but even he knows that as exciting as this could sound that there's there's something wrong with going and just killing this kid because someone tells you to um so i think yeah he definitely is struggling with that but also you know they're young guys and this knighthood is everything that they've all ever dreamed of so they don't want to throw that away so there's a lot of anger there for them. Obviously, Thierry has ruined their lives, essentially, or their futures. So it, it's a lot of conflicted feelings, I think, for Giuseppe and all of the novices. They all have different, different feelings. I know more about Giuseppe's feelings, and I, I really just think that he has no idea. He, like, he's way in over his head at this point, as I'm sure a lot of them are feeling. And just, it's scary, too. I mean, they're all, like, <laughs> you know, there's so many, I, I think... He's with. He's going to do what the group does, especially too. At this point, he's too scared to, like. I think he's so overwhelmed. He's just going with his gang, whatever these gangs doing. He's. I'm like, I'm just going to follow these guys and see what happens. You know. Definitely, Ben. How about you? Yeah, I feel like. I mean, what I like about your character, I think he's. Um, 
he's fun in the first place. You know, I feel like he's he's fun to watch because you have a very specific characteristic that you, you know, you just you know out with these guys. You know, you're trying to catch him, you're trying to find him, but you just start playing the like the ukulele or something and just singing a song. And I was like, mm. wait a minute, he's singing a song right now. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> so that was a very <laughs> funny, like like lightning moment to me. You know, and mm-hmm. I like these kind of characters that you also need in this kind of fantasy show, which are usually very like a little more dark or something, right? So mm-hmm. how we feel. But then having someone like you just out of the blue, just singing a song that just made me smile. You know, so I like this mm-hmm. kind of contrast that you also have. It's all serious in a way, right? But then out of a sudden, someone like you comes up and is playing a beautiful song, and um, I think. The show kind of needed that, so I'm actually like excited to see that that happened in the, in the second episode. Have kind of like a twist to more like a com- comedic almost moment, you know? Yes, yeah. I think he, uh, I, I, I love that you said that, Nikki. I mean, it's it really is just like the way he is. Like it that goes to show what I was saying before about his character that he's on the quest, and I still don't know if he's you know taking it too seriously because he's just seeing that he's on a quest and that he is a knight with these well he, he's a, a knight in training and so he's right you know he's writing a song about himself and the quest and it's it's more about you know he's thinking about telling the stories he's he's gonna he's already doing that and they've only just started like he's already writing the story right. and they've not even begun which i love about him actually i, I would like to, to take that for myself you know in real life that his he's appreciating the moment i feel i feel like very much so like he's very in the moment which is a, a always a nice uh, thing to be for sure awesome i love no, that totally Tori, what do you think um i think this episode was definitely relatable because you do have these group of kids and i feel like when we're all young you know the one thing that we hear is like respect your el- elders listen to adults and stuff like that and now you have these group of kids and they're a, a thousand adults telling them a thousand different things to do and you're just kind of like okay what is right or wrong you know you have to make that quick decision like again these are a group of kids trying to figure out what side of I guess this prophecy they want to be on and that's a lot to try to figure out as a kid because you just want to follow instructions and do what's right but nobody knows what's right and so <laughs> it's hilarious to kind of see it play out because I think we all can kind of relate to that where it's kind of like is the adult really right in the situation? Who can we trust? I think there's so many fast encounters where you have to make those fast decisions on if you want to trust that person. I mean, just for Terry to come out of the visual itself and trust um, the Black Knight and kind of make that decision so fast. I don't know if anybody can really do that. You know, That's a big thing to kind of want to carry out and put your life in danger for somebody that you don't even know. And that's what a lot of these characters are encountering throughout this series. It's kind of like you have to figure out who you want to trust, who you want to listen to, what's best for the group, what could potentially kill you. That's a lot of decision-making for a group of kids. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I definitely deep. agree with all that. Yeah, there was there Love was that. so much and so much thought into everything that they're doing. And like you said, they have to do it so quickly and make these quick decisions mm-hmm. or, you know, their life could be on the line. Like Thierry, where he has to decide if he's going to run, oh, if he's going to leave, he's going to continue with the quest you know so definitely not going on so i want to stay on the novices a little bit more and talk about all of them specifically iona so we we kind of see a little bit more about her i think she's just so strong and like so badass like she heard one little move in the forest and she was like on it like she sprinted and she tried to catch who she thought was Tiri, but it turns out it was actually Giuseppe's brother piac so um jonah i you talked about this earlier i'm sure we're gonna see more of this little comic relief but how did you feel like shooting that little comic relief moment where Piak is basically like, oh my gosh, you scared me so much I almost pooped my britches. And I was like, literally, that was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, I'd like to say on the Iona thing, 
I'm going to say it like she's my favorite character. She is so, so strong. And uh, uh, just that moment that you saw in the, she's so cool. Like she's tracking someone and she instantly, like she's on it and she kind of calls everyone else to attention. You know, I think Giuseppe was still talking, going on about the nights to Folder <laughs> when, 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 you know, she spotted what we thought was Turi and ended up being uh, Giuseppe's brother. Um, yeah, it's, it's such a great moment. I mean, when I read it in the script, even I was so uh, excited about that moment in particular. Um, one, because Nathaniel Sala, who plays um, Piak, is, is an incredible actor and always fun to be in a scene with. Um, <clears throat> and two, because it's such a, a, a great moment. I have a brother myself. I have a twin brother um, called Christian. Oh, wow. How cool. Um, yeah. And uh, it reminded me of, of the way I was um, with him. There's an instant, you know, there's an instant mm. thing there. You know, there's it's such a familiar relationship you have with your brother that you can kind of push each other around and you can kind of, you know, you're always telling each other what to do. Especially him being his younger brother too. I just feel like he yeah. just knows how to get under his skin the second. And he's like, this is Giuseppe's quest. Giuseppe right. is the older brother and he's going to be the knight. Like he, he's his younger brother. What are you doing? You're like making like me look like a fool in front of all my friends. Like he's embarrassing <laughs> me basically. And he just wants him to get as far away as possible. And even that line <laughs> where they're talking about how Baldus is like, it's dangerous out there for him. And Giuseppe was like, good. You know, and it's like, <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. Half of him really means that. And then half of him yeah. afterwards is like, actually, you know, I, I have to look after right. him. So it's, um, uh, that's but, why it's one of my favorite moments. By the way, Jonah, you just mentioned you have a twin brother like Christian. So do you guys look alike? So are you guys like. Yeah, we, we're identical. So wow. we're identical technically. I mean, we have grown apart and look, we do look a, a little bit um, different uh, right. now. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, we look pretty similar. So if that, some, that so means cool. if someone can if someone can take the role at some point, or you you need a day off, you can just send your brother in, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean we've we've gone up for each other's auditions before, and oh, really? um, no. it's funny. Yeah, and we've played twins before. We've even played cousins, um, which was weird. We had to make wow. ourselves look different, but um, no, we've oh, worked wow. together. And uh, yeah, he's an actor too, and um, awesome. so yeah, and we're always auditioning nice. for the same stuff. That is so That's cool. Awesome. Tori, nice. what do you think about that whole scene? That scene, again, touched me as well, because, like, I have a little um, sibling. So even when he was like, you know, don't speak to my brother like that, I'm the only one that can do that. That's exactly how I feel. Like, I can bicker with my sibling all I want to, but if you ever come for her, you're coming for me. So, no, we have an issue. So that was just <laughs> so nice to watch. Again, it made it so relatable because these are kids. So it's like, even though, you know, they're in these life-changing situations, there's still somebody that you can see yourself in. So I thought it was just so heartwarming, and it adds another layer to Jonah's character because now he is a big brother. So aside from him trying to be a knight, he's also protecting his younger brother as well because he doesn't want anything to happen to him. You know, going back home by himself can be dangerous, but also coming along with him could be equally as dangerous. So he has to really protect him as well. And I thought that was just so heartwarming to watch. And now I'm, I really want to see how this plays out. And I hope nothing happens to him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I really like this dynamic, actually, because I feel like at the beginning, I always feel like that the younger brother has more power 
than the older brother in this scene, right? So, and you you don't want to do that. You don't want to have that. You feel kind of embarrassed in front of your people because you feel like he's taking my power away in front of my friends here right now. And you mm -hmm. don't like that. So mm -hmm. um, that's what I felt is like, that was a very interesting dynamic. I mean, he's 10, 11 years old and you know how kids are. They usually say what they think. They don't have mm -hmm. any filter. Um, nice. And I really like this dynamic that you are this kind of like, very lightning character. You play the ukulele and you sing your songs, but out of a sudden your brother comes into frame and, and out of a sudden your world is not as happy anymore, kind of, right? Because mm -hmm. he's kind of disturbing or interrupting yeah. your your way of living. And you don't like mm -hmm. that. You don't want to, you don't want to get, you want to get the fuck out of here, you know, like leave, mm -hmm. go home or whatever. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and I like these dynamics. I really like that because it was very surprising to me. I didn't see that coming. You know, coming mm -hmm. from a more serious, dark first episode in a way, then to a very lightning episode, I feel almost. Except yes. the dad of the dad, obviously. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. great. I love it. Great Me too. Dynamics. And I, I see the dynamic differently because I'm the younger sibling. So I am the Piak <laughs> and I am the my, my older brother and his friends. And, you know, I would go and hang out with them. And then he would be like, what are you doing? Get away from here, you know? So <laughs> exactly. to see that play out. <laughs> All right. I love that scene. And I loved, we talked about Iona. So now speaking of other strong women, we meet Lavinia in this episode and we meet her when Cherry goes to the tavern and she's the daughter of the mayor of the town. So her father's trying to marry her off to this poor boy. And this poor boy keeps trying to compliment her. And she's literally like, STFU, do not talk to me. Yeah. Um, so it, that was such a funny moment. Um, she's not having it, but they meet and she eventually tricks Cherry into becoming, I guess, bounty. She brings him back to her father and her father then sells him back to the security guard. So I think it was so interesting to see this dynamic. Tori, you talked about this last episode of all these strong women in the show. So with Iona and the queen. So how did you think of Lavinia just like going for it? And she's like, you know what? No one's marrying me off. I'm going to sell somebody else in my place. I loved that about her because I feel like I would have done the same thing. The only thing that got on my nerves is when she um, helps Terry escape from uh, going back. She kind of makes it seem like she's doing him a favor. And I was like, girl, he would not be trapped if it wasn't for you. I'm not doing him any favors. But I do love her um, ability to take charge, even against, you know, standing up to her father, standing up to anybody who doesn't have the same views as her. She's not afraid to say, hey, that might be your plan, but that's not my plan. And so not only is she um, brave enough to say that, but she's also brave enough to act on that. And so she's kind of taking this, her own personal journey into her own hands. She's not waiting for her dad or other knights to back her up or anything like that. Of course, she uses Terry to help her because she realizes he is an asset to her, to her personal journey as well. But she's definitely one of those that's kind of like, I'm going to get it done regardless whether you're here or not. And I love that. Yeah, right. We love and strong the women. That, the scene that I, I just wanted to point that out. The scene that I liked so much was because she's in the room with her dad, and then we have this this young kid sitting at this on the side, and <laughs> yeah. he's basically the guy he should she should marry, right? And he's always like, "Oh, hey, my, my lovely dear," and he's always trying to be nice to her and talking to her, and she she shuts him off like immediately, right? And <laughs> you have that two times, and I and I love this comedic comedic like moment when he's really trying so hard to get like acknowledgement from her right but she doesn't mm -hmm. give a shit she's like no i don't <laughs> care about you so um i just like that moment it was just funny mm -hmm. to me. i just wanted to point that out but she's she's a very interesting character and i definitely also have something in the news that i would like to talk about which is related to her and someone else that maybe not everyone knows maybe jonah you know obviously but um there's a very specific connection or relationship on set that maybe not everyone knows about i'm going to talk about that in the news so uh, watch out 
Amazing. Mm. Joanna, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. Uh, she is another, obviously, the, the strong female characters. There's so many in this show. We're so spoiled with our amazingly strong women. And uh, she, well, the first thing about Lavinia is, which I love, is that she's so her father's daughter, even though she doesn't want to be. Like, because, you know, they're both amazing at talking and they both lie through their teeth to get where <laughs> they want. And, you know, the way, you know, even the, the, the first time we meet her with Turi, I believed her. I didn't think she was, you know, she fooled me. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I was like, I thought she was going to help him find this back road and she he was good, you know, and then she sold him out. And then all of a sudden now she's convinced him to come and to, to join, you know, it's like, she's very good at talking. Like, how did she do that? Like she sold him off and then next thing she's on the back of a horse with him. So um, <laughs> she, that's what I love about her. Um, yeah. And like, like you said, Tori, like, she's just gonna she's gonna do what she wants like she's gonna work however you know she wants something she's gonna get it and she does yes but. i love that really quick i don't know if you guys noticed this i just i thought about it when we were first watching and in the moment when the horse comes and saves cheery did you guys think that it was like magical like i thought it was like some dr doodle magic that he was pulling and talking to the horse through his mind or something and the horse like he got the horse to save him or do you think the horse just knew intuitively Oh. Um, I didn't I actually huh. didn't look at it as a like <laughs> magical anything. I think it was kind of like I I think it's something that we see in these type of movies where the rider makes a relationship with their horse or whatever mm -hmm. animal companion that they have. We kind of see that dynamic in a couple of movies and series. So I think it was just kind of like them creating a bond. You know, Terry was frustrated because the horse then jumped off this cliff potentially could have killed him and now they're kind of like creating this bond and now he's like okay maybe this horse can help me maybe I don't need to get rid of him mm. so I think it's just kind of like building a bond because in these type of movies I mean the horses kind of drive the plot sometimes we wouldn't have battles without the horses we couldn't get nowhere without the horses so they play a big <laughs> part even though they don't have any lines like they are definitely like essential parts to the plot so I think it was just kind of like adding that in there mm. definitely what do you guys think yeah, I think Ardedwen is an amazing character. Um, and I don't know, is that the moment? I don't know. See, I've always felt like, especially like from right at the start, like such a badass horse. Like when you first see it, you're like, oh my God, like you can see this horse has been through a lot, especially if he was the Black Knight's horse, right? So it's yeah. like mm. this Black Knight is this legendary knight. So you have to think, well, the horse is legendary because he's been on those quests. And I really, I, the way I saw it was Turi was needed saving. And this horse is a legend. And he just come and he just came and saved the day. That's how I saw it anyway. I was like, this horse just knows what it's doing. It's just going to pick up the slack. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was always the funny thing about this horse is it was always there at the right time. When Turi needed the horse or needed to get out to escape, the horse was there for some reason. <laughs> no, that, was quite, that was kind of funny. True. It's true. <laughs> Definitely. All right, so the person we haven't talked about yet is Prince Viridian. So um, he shows up at a campsite at the Unawan border, and he says the prophecy is now in motion because there's a shaman or possibly a child with shaman's blood. So that's kind of why I brought that whole thing up with the horse, because we're seeing these little inklings. And Jonah, we talked about this in our episode last time about we're seeing these inklings of um, Tiri. Like, is he magical? Does he, when he speaks to those birds or he sees that image of the, the face, like, does he have some kind of magic in him? Like Prince Viridian obviously does. So um 
when we saw that, we kind of noticed that little magical connection. So Ben, what did you think when you saw this? Like, what were your thoughts on this whole like shaman revelation? I mean, the thing is, when I when I saw him in the, I think he's in the tent, right? I think he's still fighting the war, or is it basically getting his people to another position right now, to another area? So what I what I realized is, I'm not sure if we talked about this scene specifically when he has his guy coming in, um, and he's basically showing again that he has this kind of superpower, and mm -hmm. now I feel like that's actually the second superpower he is. I think now he's even able to play with fire. And I think before, this is just my feeling, that's what I think. I think before he had the power of controlling wind. And now I feel like he has the power of controlling fire. And it, mm -hmm. for me, maybe that's just a prediction I already have. I feel like he's probably trying to combine all the natural elements we have in becoming Ooh. the most powerful person on the planet. I'm just saying. No, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> but it was very I cool like to see because... Because I'm like a guy, like I, I grew up with Dragon Ball Z, you know, and when I see someone like yes. having a fireball in his hand, I was like, damn, I love that. <laughs> you know, so, but yeah, that's just my feeling. I think he's gaining more power, more and more superpowers, especially. Jonah, how about you? Yeah, I mean, first of all, that guy just, he can just look and you're already <laughs> terrified, you know. <laughs> Um, before he even said anything, you just like, oh, I'm just gonna do what he says. I'm just gonna like, <laughs> just whatever he right. says, just do it. Like he's, you know, I don't feel like he needs to pull his sword out. Even like without the magic, even that he's like flaunting with the fire, and he's just as terrifying without that stuff. So that makes him even more terrifying. Um, yeah. And yeah, um, I love seeing him interact just with the the people he works for, and um, you know, when you have villains or like typically like you know those dark characters i like the characters who are more still who aren't who don't they're not yelling at anyone you know they're not um there's there's, there's a very calm in control nature about him like he he hasn't he hasn't seemed unhinged to me totally um, agree so that's what captivates me about him like and i'm wondering is he gonna blow or is you know or like that there's a lot more power in that in what the way he he um goes about doing things so that's that's what gets me about um Viridian. yeah love it uh tori how about you i'm nervous um because let me tell you why stick with me so in the first episode when we saw the birds like created a face in the sky i was triggered because i grew up watching harry potter and when i see faces in the sky it means bad things like <laughs> so I'm a little nervous and now it makes me feel like whatever um powers or anything that Terry has might be connected to, to some sort of like dark power and he might have to have like a battle within because he's so pure but he might have this dark energy and it's making me nervous because I just don't want nothing to happen to him so I'm a little <laughs> I'm interested to see how it plays out and I don't know if they're connected like Harry Potter and Voldemort were I don't I don't know. I'm nervous because y'all know Harry Potter took us through a whole roller coaster and I'm not prepared. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I love that. Good so point. let's go through the end of the whole episode. So after all that happened, we see that Cherry is trying to escape. Um, Ristridan stops him and that's when we see Lavinia saves him. So they go on the amazing horseback that we get from all these medieval shows, the horseback chase, the action scene, um, Red Knights versus Ristridan's knights who now Ristridan understands where um Tori's come is coming from he understands the whole quest that he's on um and in his dying breath Ristridan tells the novices you need to go and help Tiri so I want to know what you guys think Jonah starting with you what do you think about this dynamic because 
at the end, we see that they're all kind of struggling. Um, they, they don't know if they want to follow his orders or if they should trust Tiri from all this that happened. So what do you think about this power struggle between the mm. novices? Well, just to jump back a second, right before that, you know, they've been following Tiri and they've witnessed the, that like yes. colliding of, of battles. And so first of all, they've been hit with that. And for me, that's very poignant because none of them have been in a real fight. Well, I don't know about some, maybe Iona has, I don't know, but I think that most of them have been training, you know? And so I know, especially for at least Josipo, like he's not, he's not seen a real fight, you know, mm-hmm. he's confident, but like, so when he sees a war and people being, you know, killed and stuff, I think they're already in that place of like, wow, this just got real. And then they, they go walk up to find Bristridin, who's the head like, gray rider, who is who they're aspiring to be. You know, he took them to the vigil he told them to sit down and shut up. Like he's their guy, like he's their security and he's who they look up to. So if they felt invincible before or they felt confident before seeing this guy who they see is like a hero die and he's not invincible, I think that aside from being incredibly upset that he's gone, makes them feel so small. And it's like, well, if he's, if he's can die, you know, and this is real. Now he was, you know, trying to and help Turi and he asks them to, you know, help him. And their quest is obviously to capture him and maybe kill him. So, you know, there's all that going on. They've probably the first time they've ever seen anyone die. And now they have to decide, you know, what they're doing. They're still following him, but what do they do when they, if and when they, they, they get to him? What do they do, you know? For sure. It's definitely interesting dynamic. So that's pretty much it, guys. That's our recap of the show. And now we're going to move into some other fun stuff. So let's start with our special segment. We're going to be talking about one of the greatest battles in medieval history. So Tori, take it away, girl. Yes. So the battle that we have today is actually the Battle of the Golden Spurs, which happened on July July 11 of 1302. It happened in Flanders, which is now known as Belgium. Um, In this battle, we also have the French again. So a makeshift militia of craftsmen known as like weavers and stuff like that rebelled against the French army. Um, France then sent more of their army to kind of fix this issue that they were having while they were doing that. The makeshift army of craftsmen set up shop on like this plot of land that was surrounded by moats, which helped them win the battle and they actually defeated the French. So that was really exciting. And it also began an era which was known as the infantry revolution of the 14th century. Amazing. Wow. wow. Guys, this education on the show is crazy. Yeah, well What's done. Happening? That was amazing. Damn. I really, I yes. thought I was there. I feel dumb. I'll be like, I'm I so, keep finding, wow. I keep finding <laughs> battles that like have a sprinkle of meat in there because they were a group of weavers and that's my last name. So I just <laughs> like, yes. I love that. I was made throughout I love history. That. I'm just, you know, one with the content. Funny. That's great. Well, we talk oh, about that, man, guys, because it. this show has a lot of epic battles, especially like we saw in this episode of the horseback battle. So that's why we do this little special segment. So we hope you all enjoy it. Thank I you. I love Corey. it. Thank <laughs> you. Great. All right. Real quick, we're going to move into some fun news and gossip with Ben. Oh, yeah, guys. So as I mentioned already, I wanted to talk about the very specific relationship. And Jonah, you might know that already. Maybe some people who watched the show had no idea. Talk about Lavinia, right? who's uh, portrayed by Ruby Circus or Serkis, I hope I said it correctly. Um, and the interesting thing is, guys, believe it or not, the guy who plays her dad 
is actually her real dad. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I know. Tori's looking at me. What is going on? Are you for sure? Yeah. yeah, I um, did not no, know that at all, I mean, actually. And, his name is Andy. You know, Andy Serkis. I mean, a very well-known actor, right? Who, by mm-hmm. the way, also plays Alfred Pennyworth in the new Batman in 2021. Uh, I yes. checked out on IMDb. So he's already confirmed. And I love Alfred, right? We watched Pennyworth, right? So also mm-hmm. British British production. So great show. Loved it. So he does that. But so he's a very well-known actor. But now seeing him playing with his own daughter, um, you know, she's basically having an interview and talking about it. And she said it was very exciting for me to just work with my dad opposite because, you know, I just saw him doing that. And now my dad, my own dad, my famous dad was basically coming to my set and mm-hmm. I had to show him how it's going to work out. So, Jonah, I would like to hear from you, like, first you know, uh, in real life. So if you experience something like that or how you experience their relationship on set together. Yeah. Uh, first of all, it just jumps off the screen. So you can't fake that yeah. chemistry. Um, oh my God, for sure. Yeah, it's so good. They're so great together. And um, yeah, it was so, everyone was very excited for Andy coming. I mean, I, I was a huge fan um, of mm. Andy and his work. So we were very excited to, to um, have him and... Um, just try not to geek out when uh, we met him. <laughs> but uh, he's such a sweet guy um, and an incredible actor. Um, and I think that they loved they loved it as much as we loved watching it, yeah? Um, mm. uh, I could just watch a whole series of that, to be honest. Like, they're, they're, yeah. they're so, you know, they're so good together. Um, and it's just like, it's gold, you know? You've got the father and daughter together and we were just so happy to have him uh, on yeah. board. And it worked and by- so well. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you, but by the way, just, just curious right now. So was she confirmed first to play mm-hmm. that role or was it him? So, and then maybe yeah, she no, was, was like, hey, why, not, why don't you cast my dad as my dad? It's definitely <laughs> that way around. It was definitely, she was cast as Lavinia. And I, I don't know this for sure, but I know that he wasn't being talked about at first, or at least I wasn't privy to that. And I didn't know whether, maybe he's a busy guy. So maybe we didn't, I didn't even know whether we could have got him. So we, you know. When I first heard, like, he might be playing her dad, I was like, wow, that would be cool. And then it happened. Yeah. You know, wow. so, um, but I think, uh, I'm, I don't know for sure, obviously I wasn't on the pre-production, but I'm pretty sure it yeah. was, she got cast as Lavinia, and then they were like, hang on a second, this could work. Oh, awesome. So, yeah, yeah you see, guys, cool. we, had some su- we had some surprises. I think a lot of people also watching us right now had no idea about that relationship. Yeah. Because, I'm, I'm sure, that's, I'm sure. That doesn't happen very often, but when it happened, as you said, Jonah, you can definitely tell on screen there is something. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. totally. Like, yeah. Thank you, guys. That was, that was the news right here. Awesome. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. All, All right. right. So the last thing we're going to do is just ask Jonah some fun little questions just about his time on set or any of his other roles he's done. So... I want to start real quick with one I had. So I saw that you played in another like kind of kings and queens medieval type role, Tale of Tales, a couple years mm-hmm. ago. So how was that different from like this role as Giuseppe? Mm. Very different characters. Um, first of all, I, it, it's, it's almost a good segue talking about Andy and, and Ruby because I got to work alongside my brother. And so we had that real chemistry and we were playing brothers. Well, you know, it's like a magical kind of like we... Uh, I don't want to ruin the film for everyone, but we kind of had this magical thing. It's a, it's like a, these, li- these dark fairy tales, um, mm. very dark. It's like you know, the oranges of the fairy tales are much right. darker. Um, and it's the director's called Matteo Garoni. Um, he's a very well-established Italian director. He'd won the Grand Prix in Cannes a couple of times, and we went to 
uh, can with the movie. So we were so excited to just be working with him. And I think it, it differs there because he took this fairy tale genre and tried to make it re one really, really real. So always our direction was just do nothing nothing it was it was he wanted it to feel almost like a documentary <laughs> fairy tale and um which is weird because we were albinos in it but um also he he did not shy away from how gruesome those fairy tales were so it's definitely you know letter to the king you don't you're not going to see too much blood or anything like that you know it's a family show but um it's a scary there's some scary moments in that, in that, in that movie um <laughs> yeah and it's more it's like it's beautiful it's like a painting you know um that movie is very visual um so that's not that letters the king is beautiful and stunning too but there's i feel like there's more happening whereas in tale of tales it's it's more just moments where in letters the king all this stuff happening it's, it's really exciting it just keeps happening and obviously it's a series but yeah it's definitely different and that my character is very different he doesn't play the loo or sing so, or, um, <laughs> sword fire any of that fun stuff he did he did ride a horse though so <laughs> nice love that well Tori I know you have a question about sword fighting yes I do so I know that you know there's a lot of action in this series what was the training process like for shooting this series I'm glad you asked that um it that we we, we shot um in two halves we went to New Zealand and shot the first half of shooting there and then we went to Prague the Czech Republic oh, oh and, wow um yeah and so in New Zealand we went a month prior to shooting and we had a month of boot camp basically and the boot camp was intense like it was it started off as being four hours in the morning um they they called it a warm-up but it was basically essentially an hour workout and then we would like do sword fighting and then we would do like you know um what else would you do like we would do like circuits and stuff it was just intense and then after that we would go horse riding so they were like full days and that was the same for a month and i uh had a lot of fun actually and we all just got to bond together and if anything else i think that was an amazing time for us to gather that chemistry because before we'd even filmed the first scene we'd spent a month together like carrying each other on each other's backs because it was like an army boot camp <laughs> um so we were all physically fit and ready to ride horses all day and sword fight. But the real sword fighting for at least, I can only speak for the novices because we were grouped together, happened in, in Prague. Um, we had a, an ama amazing sword master there who would teach us and we developed our own styles. And um, we were even able to contribute what we thought. They were like, how do you think he would kind of fight? And how do you think and what would he do here? And if he didn't like a certain move, so it was very collaborative. Uh, Giuseppe had, when I came to it I wanted a more of a Spanishy kind of Zorro kind of thing going on <laughs> and they incorporated this half Italian style of sword fighting with like ninja like style with this sword spinning um so it ended up being really cool but it was very in-depth and it didn't the training didn't stop like the episodes as we kept filming you know we just kept learning and, and after I felt like it just kept going because after we'd filmed one sword fight we were learning the next you know very cool. Ben, did awesome. you have a question yeah, for really Yeah, I mean, I have so many questions. I mean, the first one you answered already. So that means you didn't shoot anything in the UK, if I understood correctly. So it was shot in New Zealand and also in Prague. There was yeah. nothing happening in the UK. No, no, there was okay. not. Okay. Nothing was shot in the... Maybe there was like a couple pickups in the in the UK, like right towards the end of the new, but Right. Really, really, the, the main um, 
Prague yeah. shooting. And like like I said, but for me, with the major- all of the fights were done in Prague, even though we did some sword fighting training in New Zealand. Um, right. Then we went home for Christmas, and right. Um, right. The, all of the sword fights started, were, were filmed in Prague. And most yeah. of the horse riding was New Zealand, so it was kind of a nice balance. Right. I mean, very last question. I mean, as again, I have so many, but I just wanted to, because I'm always interested, like also from my personal uh, experience, how was the, the casting process? So how did you, mm-hmm. because you did that fairy tale show before, so um, was that basically something that helped you because people saw you and felt like, hey, he will be great for this show as well because he has experience already in this kind of genre in a in a way or how did that work for you for me personally it was quite an interesting um process because yeah. everyone had been auditioning for a long time um months even before i even knew wow. about the existing i think they were having trouble finding to sippo um i was in los angeles i've been living in los angeles for a while i only just got back to the uk um so they weren't even auditioning in los angeles but my british agent sent me the um audition to self-tape from la right and i self-taped i think on the friday and then on the monday i, I went the director one of the directors felix flew over no no it was alex alex flew over to um alex thompson flew over to see me on the so it was only the weekend that i had and then i had a couple of days later another director session to work on a more serious scene because the first time they saw me, I was just singing and doing all the fun scenes, but they wanted to see more mm. serious acting. And yes. that was it. So it was very quick within two weeks of knowing about the show, I booked it. Um, wow. So I think that was because they were having trouble finding um, Giuseppe and all, almost all the other novices were already cast. So I was very late. Um, right. So well, it, awesome. it was so a whirlwind for me. Well, you, you should have you should have let us know that you're in LA already. We we would have met up or something. You know, we would have I done know, something I know, together. I know. <laughs> Unfortunately, I just left. Uh, I left and right. came home because of all the crazy stuff that's happening. Um, oh, but no, it was it was. A, mean, sorry, please. After you, I was just going to say it was a, it was. I'm glad you asked about the auditions because it was. I, I thought I should mention that. I think one thing that clinched it for me was that I actually wrote my own song to the lyrics because they hadn't had the. I don't know if you know this, but the tune that I'm singing in the show is a, a song called In Hell, I'll Be In Good Company um, from a band called, I think they're called Deep South. I hope I got that right. Maybe I got some of those words wrong. But um, <laughs> it's, oh. uh, if you can look at In Hell, I'll Be In Good Company, it's an amazing song. And that's the tune we're using. But they didn't have oh. that attached to the show yet. So what I did was they'd only um, sent me one line. Uh, it was like... His men did love him truly, just with such beauty. So I just wrote my own song, and I asked if I could sing it to them in the audition when I met them. And I think that they really loved that, and we, we almost used it. And then they they right. this other thing. But yeah, that's awesome. So that means at some point, last thing, that means you might gonna come back to LA, or do you feel like you want to stay in the UK now for a while? But oh no, I will. Plan? Yeah, I, I practically live there. Um, uh, I've been I've been on my visa now. I'm waiting for my green card. So when my green card comes through, I'll be uh, I'll be there. So maybe I can come in and see you guys. Yeah, sure. That please. would be awesome. Please. <laughs> We'd love to have you for like a special guest in studio when we get back there after all this craziness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I know. For sure. Know. For sure. Mm. Well, we get amazing. It. We get over it. Before we go, Jonah, is there anything you want to promote? Anything you're working on? Anything you were looking forward to? No, I just want people to love this show and enjoy it. And uh, yeah, what else are we going to do? There's, we just Let's just sit and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. All right, Jonah, where can people find you on social media? Uh, my name on Instagram is Jonah Lees. Um, and on Twitter, I, I did this when I was 13, but my name is Jonah Rawls. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what I got. Awesome. Cool. Ben, how about you? 
You can find me on Instagram and Facebook. It's at Benjamin Schnau. Yeah, that's the German part. S-C-H-N-A-U. And uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Tori, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at Toxic Model. I made that up when I was in high school. And on <laughs> yeah. Twitter at Tori with two E's. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. And I'm Brian Santos. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at the Brian Santos. And also on the Katie Keen, Motherland Fort Salem After Show, Friday Night Smackdown, and Women's Wrestling Weekly. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Jonah, for being here. And we will see Thank you on the next episode. Bye. Yeah. Keep in touch. Keep in touch. Enjoy. Thank our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.